Hello and welcome to Altamar. I'm Mooney Jensen. And I'm Peter Schechter, here to navigate the high seas of global politics as we do twice a month. Today, we're in Brazil mode, and it's Lula in the headlines. Once again, he won the election for president. He was elected president by the smallest margin with enormous ramifications for Brazil and the region. And I don't remember, Mooney, in my years of working and living in Latin America, any election which so captured the press and the global and global curiosity because of the incredible controversy that existed in this election. I mean, for weeks we've read coverage of this election with crazy, crazy headlines like Viagra, exorcism and lies. That was Vox writing on Brazil and guns, God and fake news on CNN. And it, it just, this election was crazy. And, and the levels of disinformation, misinformation and rhetorical violence were completely unique in any election in the region. And so today we're going to discuss some of the takeaways of this long and painful electoral process with Lorival Santana from CNN Brazil. And we're going to talk about what it means for Brazil and also what it means beyond Brazil and what is the best case scenario for the next government of this major, major country in the world. So, Peter, we do have a winner, and I know that sounds pretty obvious, but it wasn't so obvious even on election day. We have a winner in a contentious, horrible race between the most famous leftist in the continent and the so-called Brazilian, well, self-called Brazilian Trump, a very controversial, erratic incumbent. Lula and Bolsonaro have dominated the country's political story for over a decade and completely taken over the headlines in the past month. One of them, this veteran politician, elder with allegations of corruption, beloved, criticized. The other one is just an autocratic right-wing populist with very little regard for institutions. So that was what voters in Brazil were faced with. It's a relatively new democracy, one of the largest in the world, that narrowly, narrowly voted for 77-year-old Lula, who pledged to unite the country despite his opponent's threats and a lot of fear-mongering. So, Munitea, you know, in, in Rio calls itself Cidade Maravilhosa, the marvelous city. And I, I think the whole country is marvelous. I'm a huge, huge fan of Brazil. And, and it's you know, this continent-sized country with so much potential and so, you know, young, hardworking, joyous people who are its citizens. And I just can't think of a country that was more unlucky. Unlucky in having these two candidates as presidential contenders. I mean, one is a I mean, to call Bolsonaro right wing doesn't do him justice. He is truly is, yes, he's Trump's disciple, but he has taken it to new levels of rhetorical violence, of policies that divide, of ways to make families hate each other and, and friends not talk anymore. And on the other hand, we have Lula, whose party was indicted and tried uh, several party leaders, sent to prison for profound acts of corruption. And Lula himself was sent to prison. He was later, the, the sentencing was rescinded, but he himself was sent to prison. And, you know, is this 70 plus year old, very angry man now. He was a 
incredibly important leader of the region, but now is is reduced to being very angry. And so this is what Brazil was facing. And sure, I, I too, if I would have been a Brazilian, would have made the choice that Brazilians have indeed made. But it, boy, one wishes that a country like that would have had the chance to elect somebody different. Certainly, Brazil deserves a better politician. We all know the results. It's 50.9 for Lula, 49.1 for Bolsonaro. I would say it's 50.9 against Bolsonaro and then 49.1 against Lula because that's how people voted. It was closer than expected, of course, a lot closer than the polls had anticipated. So let's talk about the impact, the short term, of these results. First, we need to monitor Bolsonaro and his voters' reaction. That's definitely a, a, a big question mark. Let's remember his promises to contest the results. So second, there's doubts about how and with whom uh, Lula will govern. This is not the Brazil over the world, uh, as, as Peter reminds us of his previous time in office. And third, how will this impact the region and Brazil's place in the world? This election for many is a win for democracy, but it was a bruising, brutal, dirty win for democracy. We are going to hear now about one of the dirty sides of the campaign, the misinformation and fake news that made the headlines around the world. So Taz Take will dive deeper on this. Hi, I'm Tia Ivanovich, and this is Tia's Take, where we take a look at youth and social justice issues. And wow, are there plenty of social justice issues to talk about when it comes to Brazil's elections? So at the time of this recording, Bolsonaro has still not conceded to his opponent. And for months prior to the elections, he publicly questioned the legitimacy of the Brazilian electoral system, calling previous elections rigged, much like Donald Trump did in 2016 and 2020, of course. Pro-Bolsonaro posts on YouTube drew more than 99 million views compared to 28 million for left-wing channels days before and after the first round of the presidential voting, which was on October 2nd. So yes, democratic representation is in trouble everywhere, of course, but Brazil does stand out. An insatiable demand for social media, ubiquitous bots, and more than 80 smartphones for every 100 Brazilians help bad actors exploit credulousness at a keystroke. And Brazil was a civil society pioneer compared to the rest of the continent, and that is now really turning on itself. And then throw in an overeager judiciary with the tradition of leaning in wherever political quarrels break out, and you risk repeated collisions between branches of government and threats to basic constitutional liberties. So here's my take. Brazil's presidential election similarities with the U.S. are pretty striking. An autocratic populist president ousted by a nearly 80-year-old political veteran. Of course, not all similarities hold, but one thing does. The work for democracy starts now. The big lie of election fraud has permeated all aspects of U.S. society, and I have no doubt the deep divisions and polarization will contaminate Brazil society as well. So what are the lessons learned from the U.S. or other deeply divided societies that we can apply to Brazil? Tweet at Altamar Podcast and let me know. Tay, I'm afraid that elections have been contaminated all over the world, and there is a sense of deja vu in this particular election on several fronts. And Mooney, haven't we talked about polarized elections before? I mean, I, 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 I don't know that I can list them off anymore, you know? 
abnormal, weird elections that the world is facing in Italy, in Colombia, in Chile, even in Great Britain. Uh, just the stories are the same and over and over again. And, you know, what makes Brazil different and what's going to happen to one of the world's largest economies and one of the world's largest countries is something that needs to interest everybody. And we're going to hear from our guest, Lorival Santana, who is a senior fellow at the Brazilian Center of International Relations, a journalist and international affairs analyst at CNN Brazil. He's also a columnist at the prestigious Estado de São Paulo newspaper known as Estadão. He has reported news for major, major outlets, beginning with BBC, CBN Radio, Ezami, Epoca magazines, and for the Estado de São Paulo. His reporting covers 70 countries, from conflicts in the Middle East to Latin America. He is an author of several books, including The State of Democracy, 100 Columns in the Estadão, about the greatest challenges of our time. Lorival Santana, it's such a pleasure to have you on Altamar. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. So, Lorival, what's what's your assessment after all this mess that was this election? What what what's your assessment of the results with two million difference of of votes? What surprised you about the electoral process? Take a step back and tell me your thoughts. Sure. Well, the polls, the main polls, were right that. Uh, former President Lula would, would be elected. The margin was tighter than expected by the polls, but we are, were sensing, and even the Workers' Party people were sensing a very tight dispute, so that's what happened. And, and that makes the, the drama more intense because President Bolsonaro has for so long uh, traction, this idea that the the electoral system is fraudulent. One of the few things that most Brazilians are proud of, the, our electronic uh, voting system has been under attack by the president and his allies. And so the first time that uh, after democracy came back to Brazil in, in 1985, the first time that the president is not re-elected, first time that someone is given a third term uh, democratically and the first time that someone has more than 60 million votes first time that someone has more than 58 million votes and is not elected so many firsts a very historic election for us and Lurival, this was one of the most contentious and you know, dirty races in the region, even if there have been some pretty dirty and contentious races in Latin America. How bruised is Brazil? Or as we would say in America, how do you put Humpty Dumpty back together? I don't think we will. You know, families are broken, couples are broken, uh, friendships, you name it, children with their parents, and uh, many, many tensions, many conflicts. Uh, I tell you what, I have a street WhatsApp group here, which is for talking about safety or water supply or electricity, you know, very uh, prosaic things. And all of a sudden, politics started to be discussed in a very aggressive way here in my, in my street WhatsApp group. So no one is, 
is rid of that. And it's like, it's like in the, the old times when football would divide us so much. I lived in, in London in the early 90s and there were the, the hooligans, you know. And, and it has been that violent here so in terms of the, the disputes between the, the, the football you know, supporters. But now this has transferred to politics, which is very nasty. You know, I know, Muni, I, I just want to follow that up because I, I have a place outside of Washington, D.C. in the country, and I, I went uh, to the general store, which is a very cute little general store, just like you would see in the movies. It has a little bit of everything. And, and in the general store near my, near my place in the country, uh, which is about an hour and a half outside of Washington, it now says, if you voted for Biden, get out. Wow. <laughs> That's a, I, that's I needed, a really good milk. segue. I needed milk, so I lied, and I bought the milk. Uh, but the level of violence in terms of rhetoric, and we, we saw what happened to the husband of Nancy Pelosi recently. I mean, is Brazil there? Yeah, sure. Uh, there, were, there were deaths during the campaign. Two uh, people were killed uh, because of supporting one of the sides. And there was this very disturbing episode in which uh, a, a party leader called Roberto Jefferson, who is a supporter of President Bolsonaro, uh, because he attacked very brutally the uh, verbally the the president of the Supreme Court, uh, and he was in, in home at home arrest. So he broke the home arrest uh, rules. And, and he, the, the federal police got a mandate to get him, to take him back to prison. And he welcomed them with uh, grenades and, uh, and uh, automatic rifles. And he made like 50 shootings. And, and he, he wounded two police people, a man and a woman. So that's something we've never never experienced here in Brazil. So it has to do with the fact that Bolsonaro has opened the gates for people to have guns, all kinds of guns. This is something new for us. And also has tractioned all this violent narrative you know, against the Supreme Court. And so this has scared people and is one of the explanations why Bolsonaro was not able to win this second round, whereas while before this incident, the, the, the wind seemed to be on his back. So hearing this and how uncertain uh, the, the role of Bolsonaro has been in the days after the election, what do you envision for him in the next years? Is it going to be a belligerent head of the opposition? Is it going to get worse? Uh, what do you think his role is going to be? Yes, I think so. I think the, the parallel with uh, former President Trump is so evident, so strong that I, I myself, I, I use the U.S. experience as a model for what uh, may happen in the future here in Brazil. And so far in the last years, it has been confirmed that every step that Bolsonaro has taken is following the steps of former President uh, Trump. So all his attitudes and the fact that he foresaw the, the possibility of not 
being re-elected. He prepared the ground for contesting the elections, for for attacking democracy, and for um, shaping himself as someone as is not or has not lost, and who is supported by most Brazilians, so that he could uh, save for himself a place as a leader of the opposition. So let's go back to the guy who actually won. Uh, Lula <laughs> has been a highly popular figure and was a highly popular president who captured definitely Latin America and possibly the world's imagination with these very progressive policy, Bolsa Familia, that was copied in, in my country in Colombia, Fome Zero. Today he's older, he's angrier, he, he's more uh, questioned than before. Brazil, of course, is poorer, is much more polarized. We've talked about that. What are your measurements of, of Lula's success? Will he be able to continue to be this icon? Yes, he spent 580 days in prison, uh, accused of corruption, and he came out, as anyone would come out, very angry, right? And he thinks he was, it was unfair for him to have uh, been uh, accused of, of corruption. And uh, at the same time, nowadays, he will face a very hostile Congress. Bolsonaro's party, the Liberal Party, it has the biggest representation both in, in both houses, in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. Now, there is room for negotiation with other parties. Brazil has so many parties represented in Congress, and this makes things sometimes more difficult, sometimes easier. If we had only two parties, we would be in trouble, just like you guys in the U.S. are. Now, here, there are many, many parties which are ready to negotiate, to get uh, places in the uh, ministries and result, public resources. And uh, so it's manageable, not easy, maybe very expensive, uh, but but manageable. But his his image has been very very stained. It's not the same image anymore. And I give you uh, a statistics or a, a poll which revealed that forty eight percent Brazilians said they would never vote for Bolsonaro. And 44% said they would never vote for Lula. So it was, in fact, a dispute between rejections. So how, so how do we get to a synthesis of this problem? Like, what, what is, do you expect Lula, how is his government going to be? What, what, will, what will he try to achieve? What will his relations with the business community how, how do you see these some of these critical critical things? Well, in terms of the economy, he's uh, an old school left wing politician. So he's against privatization. Brazil still has many state owned companies. They will remain state owned. He is very connected to the trade unions. So he'll try to establish some workers' uh, rights, labor rights, which have been scrapped uh, by Congress. And so he, will, he has said that uh, a country, uh, a developing country like Brazil, should uh, borrow money. And so the market is, is 
very nervous about his, his attitudes, but President Bolsonaro has not delivered uh, on his promises of liberalization. Uh, and although he has, uh, in terms of regulations, he had done some advances from the point of view of, of business people and hence his approval in, in that uh, sector, but um, has not been able to privatize or to reform, to bring the, to approve the reforms which Brazil needs so badly. And this will remain the same as President Lula. But there will be some kind of institutional normalization. Uh, Lula is, is different from Bolsonaro regarding the respect for institutions. He has proved that he's, he's stuck to democracy and we are in such a, in such a, a situation that uh, people are valuing these very basic principles like uh, democracy, uh, respect for the constitution and not uh, attacking the Supreme Court and other institutions. So, you know, Brazil has undergone massive amounts of misinformation and fake news, right, during during these elections and before the elections, during the campaigns. And, you know, we've learned in the U.S. that misinformation doesn't just disappear once the elections are over. So the big lie about election fraud is still here very much today in the United States. What can Brazil do to avoid this going forward? And can it? You know, this is such a, a strong trap. We we, we can't see a way of getting out of it. You remember the Comet Ping Pong Pizza stuff in, the, in 2016 when they said that Hillary Clinton was a leader of a, of a kind of a gang which sodomized children. The same was, was brought up here in the last weeks by Bolsonaro's minister, for the human rights who has just been elected a senator. And she said that, uh, that the left wing supported some sort of uh, children traffic, that uh, they even took the teeth from babies so that they would more easily make oral sex and that they would have some sort of diet, special diet, for them to have to make anal sex and she said this inside a church in evangelical church in my hometown goiania which is near brasilia and uh, then the the prosecutor's office came out and said okay now you have to prove this because you were a minister so you, you must have done something otherwise you have come to the crime and she said no that's what i heard from the people so does that sound familiar to you guys so is this Maybe this is worse what I'm telling you. I, I don't think something like that has happened in the U.S. coming from a minister and a senator. And she will have now eight years, according to the law, to say what, whatever kind of BS she wants to say, and she will not be prosecuted for that. It's very clear that the discourse in Brazil has deteriorated a lot. Um, there is also a winner in this race, which is the Amazon rainforest. And what will Lula be able to do to reverse the damage done in the Bolsonaro years? Definitely. I think this is the most important gain from these elections, something that I follow very closely. I, since June, I've opened up a, a platform called Earth News Terra, which is about this subject. 
which is a very critical one for Brazil uh, because of climate change, but also because of trade. I mean, both the U.S. and Europe are tightening the regulations and and threatening to ban the imports of uh, agricultural products uh, related to uh, deforestation. So it is an, a strategic uh, issue for Brazil, right? For both uh, reasons. And uh, yes, definitely between 2004 and 2012, under the Workers' Party governments, starting with President Lula and then with his successor chosen by him, Dilma Rousseff, deforestation has decreased year after year from 2004 to 2012. So he has talked about this a lot, that he understands that this is necessary. He said he talked about creating a ministry for indigenous people's affairs, which is, would be a first in Brazil. And uh, that's totally the opposite from what Bolsonaro was, was doing. You know, deforestation uh, has increased each month in the last years from a very high basis. And, uh, and he says he's going to backtrack this. And even he may choose as environmental minister, the same minister, Marina Silva, who was responsible for that system of command and control, which uh, was so successful. There was one question mark in the last weeks of the election, which was where would the military stand if there was definitely a, a tie or a very, very uh, small margin? So what do you think now about the military and security forces? Will they align with Lula and kind of not break ranks? Or is there a danger that they will turn against the government? I mean, the command and uh, the high ranks are totally institutionalized. They, they don't uh, fancy any sort of, uh, of, uh, of coup or anything like that or any breakup in the institutional rules. They have had enough during the military dictatorship between 1964 and 1985 it was very traumatic for the armed forces themselves because they lost prestige among the Brazilian population. And they know that. But there are some groups in the lower ranks of the military, also in the state's military police, which is some sort of... Uh, it's not the same as the military police in the US, but it's uh, some kind of militarized... Uh, police, which does the the ostensive policing, in the and and are under the state governors, but Bolsonaro has uh, supported him them a lot, and you know has gained some support from them, and so and it's up to the armed forces to control these state uh, militias. Let's call them like that as polices. And so this has created a lot of tension uh, in, in Brazil. Uh, but um, we don't foresee any, any major institutional problem in that area. Lorival, let me, um, let's, let's zoom out to get a wider angle. Um, 
that this election of Lula in the region was the fifth in a string of victories of center-left to seriously more left um, victories, electoral victories in, in Mexico, Peru, Honduras, Colombia, Chile. in Chile, of course. Um, and without getting into the pink tide conversation, I mean, Lula is probably the most significant because Brazil is the most significant. And so wh where does this election fit in the regional story? Oh, yes, he, he has signaled that uh, he will uh, remake ties with all those countries which the relations were strained by Bolsonaro's aggressive position. It's not only he has criticized all those governments which you mentioned, the first president to visit Bolsonaro, to visit Lula on the first day, on Monday, the first day after the election, was President Alberto Fernandez from Argentina. And so, yes, Lula will change very much the course of uh, uh, international policies, foreign policies of Brazil. Brazil was very isolated. It's not that Brazil was... Uh, in good terms, for instance, with uh, other uh, countries. But Bolsonaro has, in fact, uh, been able to strain the relations with China, accusing them of, uh, of, uh, about the vaccine, about the origins of COVID, and uh, also with Europe, very bad relations, especially because of the Amazon forest. He doesn't accept any sort of... Uh, of criticism of, about the deforestation. He has not recognized Joe Biden's election. So with our major partners, the relations were really bad. Now, Lula is very anti-American, just like all the Brazilian left wing. And so he will try to balance uh, the, the importance of the US with uh, getting closer to China, especially and he has also been a little in favor of, uh, of Russia in, in this war. He said something really bizarre. He said that it looked like President Zelensky was enjoying the war. That, that was the most outrageous thing that someone said about this war, not being a Russian ultranationalist. So let me just ask you one final question, which is, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the next five years in Brazil? Four, four years. And I, no, no, no. I picked five on purpose. I know the four is the presidential term, but I want to go one year beyond the presidential <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, it, it's about where we are coming from. You know, I, 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 I don't think uh, Lula has, or the Workers' Party, have a, a good view of how the world works, how the economy works. They are very uh, conservative in terms of uh, uh, the rights of the union trades and trade unions and all this, and about the state-owned companies and spending and all this. But uh, we are coming from a very dangerous place in which we felt I mean our democracy is very young and uh, we felt the danger of uh, losing it 
So that's what we are um, embracing is now the the perspective and the, I think it will happen of normalization. So it doesn't have to do with the quality of uh, the worker workers party policies. It has to do with uh, sticking to basic, very fundamental issues. And the Amazon, yes, the Amazon is super important. And I think that will, will improve very much as well. Lorival Santana from Brazil, we wish you the best in the coming days, weeks, and months. Thank you for joining us on Altamar. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, yeah, Peter, this was a sobering um, kind of wrap-up of this very contentious election. What I thought was the best-case scenario result. Of course, it's too early to tell, but definitely the you know this democracy won. It just seems that around the world there is so much discontent from all of these polarizing elections that uh, the the solution would be some sort of a of a of a proposal from the center but it's not it's not going anywhere this polarization this unhappiness and um, i mean i the sense i i get from this interview is that the only uh, one who is happy is the amazon rainforest I, you know i think brazil unfortunately is taking this to new levels well yes you know, the world is completely polarized and divided and the center is shot and damaged and dying. Brazil takes it to whole new levels. I mean, Bolsonaro is like a unique figure on the on the sort of let's blow it up uh, scale. And Lula is a, you know, 70 plus year old former president who has these dreams of coming back. He can never reestablish these policies that he that he sort of captured the world's imagination with because Brazil doesn't have any money. He's sort of angry and pissed off because he was thrown into jail and his party is incredibly corrupt and he thinks, says that he's not corrupt. I don't know whether it's personal or his party, but you know he's, he's very angry. And so, I mean, the poor Brazilians had a choice that was really miserable. And so unlike any other country where at least you're choosing one person is somewhat palatable i mean in this in this one certainly lula is the right choice for brazil but but boy one really wishes that there would be younger newer better people in in this election i mean the similarities to the us are are kind of striking right um and i think like in the us the work starts now right i mean i think all of us sort of you know breathe a sigh of relief when in 2020 we elected normalcy again and we also said you know democracy has won and you know you see the institutions have triumphed but i guess i think the work starts now and you know the big election the big uh, the big fraud you know the election lie will probably continue just like it has in the US. So, you know, I, I, I see why he's not quite optimistic um, about where Brazil is now. So with that, you can listen to Altamar wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can rate and review us. It helps us a lot. Please do so on Apple Podcasts. Also, have you checked out, we have a bi-weekly free newsletter for analysis of global trends. We hope you check it out. We'll see you next time. <laughs>